This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 486. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. I'm joined today by Matthew Marister. What's up, man? Hey, dude. Uh, I can't believe this is 486th episode. This just kind of struck me as you said that. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's a lot. I don't even know how we're still doing this. (laughs) And we keep it new and new ideas every time, right? I hope so. (laughs) I, I hope so. You know, the thing is, is uh, we recognize that over time, uh, things change and hopefully we get better at some things. Um, you know, one thing that I would like to think listeners may, I don't know if appreciates the right word or not, but guys, you'll note that really the, um, the production value, if you will, the show hasn't really changed a whole lot over 486 episodes, a few little micro tweaks here and there. Uh, but overall it's pretty simple and straightforward. We still use the same song. We don't use very many sound effects, uh, because the show has never been about flashy, you know, effects and, and cool sounding gizmos or whatever. It's just, Hey, this is the Concealed Carry Podcast, and we've stri- we've strived to give you no BS information about training, guns, shooting, concealed carry, self-defense from the beginning, and we'll continue to try to do that. Um, so anyway, guys, we welcome you to the show. This one is a special, they're all special, <laughs> it's a special episode. Uh, we're talking about reload micro drills. Uh, this is actually... Uh, building off of and featuring this month's shooter ready challenge drill if you're not familiar with shooter ready challenge once per month uh, usually about the middle of the month like the 15th 16th thereabouts uh, of each month we post up on shooterreadychallenge.com a new dry fire focused video featuring uh, our sponsors our sponsors actually being LASR or the laser activated shot reporter system as found at lasrapp.com, laserapp.com, and also Next Level Training's uh, CERT pistol, uh, which you know are, are great dry fire training tools as well, especially when you need to do multiple shots on software like LaserX, which is the Laser App's latest and greatest version of their fantastic dry fire software. Uh, so, sponsors of today's episode, laserapp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com, and nextleveltraining.com and their CERT pistols, all right? And, they, of course, they have the Glock-style model, the M&P-style model, the P320-style model, and a pocket pistol-sized one. Uh, so, check them out. We appreciate your support of our sponsors of Shooter Ready Challenge and of this podcast. And so again, each month we post up the shooter ready challenge drill video and kind of, you know, walk you through and show you some tips and tricks and ways of doing dry fire practice to hopefully make your own practice a little bit more effective. This go around, 
I spent a lot of time actually uh, explaining what a briquette reload drill is and highlighting you know, reloads at, you know, in general, just how to get better at reloads. And that's our intent of, of what we're going to break down here today. So, uh, Matthew, you watched the uh, Shooter Ray Challenge video this last month? I did. Yes? I did. I always try to... Uh to do it justice. So I know what we're talking about on the, on the podcast, it helps. <laughs> so yep. yeah, I watched it. It was crazy because actually I'll just throw this in there. Like uh, I'm doing a, a little review on, on these little mag carriers. Right. And so, um, oh, which one is that? At, this is from, uh, extra carry.com. It's like a universal, um, adjustable one. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying it out. Mm. And so I actually, before I even knew what the, the, Shooter Ride Challenge was about. I was practicing briquette reloads because I was like, oh, I got, I got to try this out and see. And so I'm doing it. And then I'm like, okay, I sit down, sit down at the thing, click it. And then I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy. So yeah, so it was good. Mm. Good, uh, good video. Yeah. Yeah. Now in, in this video this month, I chose to use my competition rig, my competition gear, uh, just to mix things up. And I am ramping up my own training for the 2021 competition season. In fact, next month we'll be competing at USPSA area six championships uh, in North Carolina and really looking forward to that. And obviously I want to do well. Um, reloads aren't the most important factor, even in the, the style, like in the division of USPSA I shoot, uh, which is carry optics, which because of our magazine, uh, uh, size capacity you know uh you know basically we can have magazines up to 140 millimeters in length that usually means 21 to 22 round magazines on most stages i don't usually need more than one reload and so it's not usually the biggest factor in determining the outcome of a match but i kind of don't really like practicing reloads don't necessarily even really like doing them all that much. Um, so this was kind of a opportunity to sort of, all right, let's, let's tackle these and, and kind of hit it heavy for the next few weeks, next month or so, and really try to get better at my reloads. Now, granted that's a competition focused uh, uh, perspective, but reloads can, I mean, everything I talk about in this video and shooter ready challenge this month relates to whether it's competition or defensive oriented. So it's the idea of practicing the reload and how to do so and how to break it into micro drills to get better at it. And so now actually before we really get into the nuts and bolts of practicing reloads, um, let's just talk real quick, I think, because this is a great opportunity, Matthew, to sort of talk about the idea of a reload, whether it's important or not, whether you should carry one or not uh, in a defensive context, a concealed carry context. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that first. Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't think anybody, if you can carry an extra magazine, right? Like there's no reason not to, like, if you can, whether or not you, you know, statistically you're going to need one. I, I don't know. We, we, if, if we based us carrying a firearm on statistic prob statistical probability, we probably wouldn't carry uh, a handgun because it's, it's, it's not statistically uh, uh, likely. Right. But we know that if we do, 
the the results and we don't have and we we do need one and we don't have it um that's not where we want to be so um yeah i wouldn't carry a spare mag above a you know some sort of medical gear um you know but if you carry a spare magazine you certainly need to be able to do re- reloads and it's not just before you know people start going down the path of like, well, I have a, a handgun that has 15 rounds. And if I need more than 15 rounds, then I must be doing something wrong. It's, I mean, there's, there's reasons why you may have to, um, to reload with, uh, you know, you might have a, a issue with your magazine and you have a, a spare magazine there, or you may run out of ammunition or uh, maybe not run out, but you have a lull in whatever's going on. And you you perform a, a reload to make sure that you have enough rounds. Uh, so there's there's many different reasons why you might carry a spare magazine outside of like oh well you know the 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 capacity of my firearm is it has been uh, you know shot out. So yeah, yep, uh, yeah. Re- Pretty well summed up, Matthew. Uh, again, if you're able to carry one, I think why not? Like you, like you said, uh, I wanted to touch on a little bit about, like for me, one of the big reasons for me carrying a reload is not necessarily because I think I may need more than a certain number of rounds. Although that can, you know, that that can be a factor too. Obviously, you know, depending on what you carry and, and kind of the initial starting capacity, if you will. But uh, but for me, it's actually more of a having a, a backup option for in case you have a failure in in your gun, you have some kind of malfunction, and that malfunction could actually be magazine related. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you can have followers get hung up in a magazine. You can have springs wear out. Uh, you can have feed lips get bent or damaged over time. And, and maybe you just don't notice it or whatever. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, you're trying to run a gun and you're getting malfunctions or something's hanging up or seizing up somewhere. So for me, that's actually part of my reasoning for having a spare mag is okay we have a problem with this gun or this mag at this time um, i've already expended some rounds let's just get the current magazine out of the gun let's get a fresh one in and maybe that fixes the problem so whereas if you only have the one gun in, in the magazine that's contained in it and for some reason there something with that magazine breaks or hangs up that like that's it like you that there's no there's no more so um so i like the idea of having a spare mag if if you can if you can manage to carry it um there is the capacity thing i mean particularly so I, and i've talked before in the past on the podcast that i like the idea of carrying a gun that has a minimum of 10 round capacity ideally um I, why the 10 round number I, you know, some of that is, I mean, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a word, not ambiguous, but uh, I mean, kind of the ambiguous, but it's just, it's just a number, right? Like you could say eight rounds or 12 rounds or 15 rounds could be that number, but 
An arbitrary number? Arbitrary. Thank you. Uh, that is the word. I knew it started with an A. <laughs> um, it, it is somewhat arbitrary, but I think 10 rounds, I mean, some of that is based on analysis over the years of, like we just did the Justified Save story yesterday, me and Matthew. And guys, you know, we've, we've been covering those stories for years now, since the, basically the beginning of, this, of the founding of this podcast. So in the course of that, we've covered hundreds and hundreds of these stories. And my analysis of that is a minimum of 10 rounds is a pretty good place to be, right? Five or six rounds or even seven rounds in a gun, it's somewhat conceivable and, and probably it's a definite real possibility that you could expend seven rounds in a fight pretty pretty easily. We're talking a common gunfight with even just one adversary. Okay. Seven rounds is definitely a, a real possibility. Now it's common that two or three or four is all that's needed. But again, we cover, we have situations where we recognize that five, six, seven, eight, even eight rounds sometimes is, is nothing. So, um, I feel like that 10 round number is kind of a good, happy place, a good, happy medium, so to speak, between capacity, but still uh, being conducive to many you know, types of guns a lot of you may carry, but also is legal in pretty much all 50 states, too. So it, it applies there as well. Um, it, so, but for me personally, I really prefer having like a 15 round mag in my gun um, because that's just, it's more ammo. It's therefore more gooder, you know? So a lot of the guns I've carried over the, you know, the last couple of years have been 15 round guns, whether it's a Glock 19 or it's my P365 XL, which you're like, well, that's a 12 plus one. But the reality is I, I spend more time carrying that with the 15 round extended mag in it. And, um, and then I've carried the, uh, P320 X compact sized grip, you know, version, and it's got a 15 round mag. And right now I've moved kind of up to a full size P320 with a 17 plus one. So why that has more to do with how well, how much better I, I shoot a more full size gun than the smaller one, but it's nice having that capacity, but. I still carry the spare mag, okay? Because, again, the reason of, I think that having that redundancy and that backup option in case the current magazine in the gun, something goes wrong with it. So that's essentially my logic. Um, We all have to make choices for ourselves and decisions about our our lifestyle and how we carry and what we carry and where and, and so forth. Um. Ideally, we carry the biggest gun that we can manage to carry, right? That we can be concealed with uh, because the bigger it is, the easier it is to shoot and to perform well with it. Uh, Although I recognize that many people carry pretty small guns because they feel like that's what they've got to do to actually carry it and and be concealed. So if you're carrying a small gun, I absolutely encourage the... uh, the carrying of a spare magazine just so you have a little extra uh, in case you need it. Although it's still highly unlikely. There still are like very few, if any um, 
civilian, especially reloads that have exist, you know, that have, that have occurred in a defensive, you know, gunfight. But, um, and then, and then the other thing is, uh, make sure that you're, that you have all the other gear that you need, right? So we have to prioritize these things. For instance, if it came down to spare mag or carry a tourniquet, then I'd say carry the tourniquet, okay? Even though I think that you probably can find a solution that accommodates both of those things because honestly, neither one of them are that difficult to carry, in my opinion, uh, or at least to find some kind of solution. But... uh you know, and of course, you want to make sure you have other defensive tools like like a light. You want to have a flashlight, a handheld light, especially. Uh, so, again, I'd much rather have a light if it meant light versus a mag, a spare magazine. I, I, you know, you got to have that light. I think it's a very important tool for most people in most uh, circumstances. So, um, you know, I see the comment from Todd here. FBI statistics would argue that ten rounds is not enough for even their trained agents when we're talking about law enforcement shootings todd um that's a bit of a different context than regular joes and janes you know civilian people you know regular people on the streets um because le you know ois's officer involved shootings are that they're different okay uh the, the the mission is different the requirements are different uh Law enforcement officers have to put themselves in harm's way. None of us have to put ourselves in harm's way. So, you know, there are certainly situations in OI, you know, officer-involved shootings where two or three rounds, if it was just a civilian shooting, would be, you know, would be enough to kind of break up, break off the fight and give you that opportunity to then withdraw and get away. But the officer doesn't have that option. So they have, you know, because they, they need to bring that conflict to a resolution and uh, take somebody into custody or, or, or take them out, you know, whatever it takes to bring an, 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 a, a, a final end to that encounter. So, so the context is different. So we can't look at all, con- at, uh, all statistics and go, well, because federal law enforcement agents and also other law enforcement, you know, local and state law enforcement officers, because they expend this many rounds. Um, therefore, that applies directly to civilian context. That's that's not the case at all. But it does go to show that sometimes to actually achieve a resolution to a conflict, if you don't have the opportunity to, one, allow a bad guy to scatter and get away and escape from you because now you've shot at him and that's enough to make them run again keep in mind in the le context you're chasing after them at that point right and there therefore may be a second uh, phase of that fight of it potentially of a gunfight um so keep in mind that it may be that we have an initial exchange of gunfire and then i'm out of there or he's out of there right so the context is different. We have to, and I see Matthew commented here as well. So appreciate that in the, in the Facebook comments. Sorry, I got a little bit off track there perhaps, but just talking about the idea of a spare mag, um, I guess the summary is, I think it's a good idea if you can carry one, as long as you're not overlooking other important factors. Or yep. Quick. Yep. And, 
and also we have to think about like um, you, you kind of touched on this, but when, when it comes to just carrying a, a spare mag, um, that's something that you, you don't want to carry a spare mag and then not practice, right? Like, um, so how do we divvy up our time? Um, if you're somebody who, who practices a lot or dry fires and gets out to the range a lot, I would say you're probably more likely to carry a spare magazine. Um, if you don't carry regularly or you're not practicing, you know, draws and, and, and stuff through dry fire routinely, carrying a spare magazine may make you feel like you're better prepared, but you may not actually be better prepared. You might just have more stuff on you. Um, so I, I guess that kind of ties into like where yeah. we're going with the, with the practicing of, of, of yeah. dry, uh, reloads. Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, like how, how much is this a critical skill for uh, concealed carriers mm-hmm. and a reload is, Far from the number one thing that that I think concealed carriers need skill wise, but it is one of those things that if for some reason you needed it, then you you really need it. Like if you need a reload, then things are really bad. Okay, you're in a really bad situation if for whatever reason in a rare instance you need a reload. So it is one of those things that if you need it, you want to be able to get it solved asap because it means things are really really bad and so time is of the essence so um and i just think it's not that hard of a thing to learn and have a a a modicum of proficient skill at um shoot the shooting piece is far more difficult as far as like all the nuanced skills involved with grabbing a gun and putting it on target and pressing the trigger and sending rounds where you want them to go. Like that's all infinitely more nuanced and more challenging than grabbing a spare mag and sticking it in the gun. But it doesn't mean it's easy and uh, it doesn't mean we shouldn't practice it. So now we bring it full circle back around to the shooter aid challenge this month reloads. So a good chunk of the Shooter Ray Challenge video, I spend talking about one commonly, uh, it may not be common to every, you know, a lot of you that are listening, but if you get in particularly into the competitive shooting community, then, then you'll see this, this come up fairly frequently. It's, a, it's well known as a reload drill, and it's a micro drill is what it is, and that's called the Burkett Reload. And before I really break down the Burkett reload, I want to actually just explain, first of all, the concept of micro drills, right? In case you're not familiar and what that is. Um, well, I don't know, Matthew, why don't you give us what you think a, a micro drill is? Yeah. So micro drills are really good at, um, so if you're trying to learn something new, right? Or even if it's not new, but you're trying to um, shave time or get more efficient with your with your movements and stuff, and you're doing something that's complex, let's say the draw process or a reload process or or something like that that in, involves different um, different components that are, are complex movements. If you can break those down into individual movements, then, you know, you if you're looking at, let's say, your totality time for a draw, 
Um, you may have, you may clear the garment really well and get your, your, your grip really well, but your presentation is slow. So your overall time might not be great. And you're trying to get it down by doing the whole thing faster. And instead of just focusing on saying, Hey, these components are really good. I still need to practice them, but they're, they're solid. It's right here that I can make up some time and do a little better. So you break it down and work on that a little bit more. And then when you bring it back in together, then overall your time would be better or you'd be more mm-hmm. efficient or more productive. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, micro drill is just a way of breaking up a larger component of things, uh, a larger drill. Okay. Let's say, or a larger uh, function, you know, a reload, and breaking it into smaller chunks and practicing those individual smaller chunks. And then adding that all together, it, overall, we see the whole process improve. Okay, so it's a way of isolating individual parts or steps of a larger process, like you said. Those of you that are musicians, this should be very, this should feel very familiar to you um, because if you've ever... Uh, played music, you know, at any serious level where, especially we had to like memorize pieces. Um, but even just to like learn and play through or perform um, pieces that were somewhat challenging for you, chances are you broke it up into chunks or sections of that song or even s- single measures at times or, or lines and you just worked through that section, that pe- that part of the piece that was the most difficult part for you until you could really nail that down. And then, then you could start putting that back together with the whole song. Now, for me, you know, growing up, I, I spent a lot of time playing piano and I got pretty good at it. And I, knew, I, I learned through the years numerous multi-page, you know, we're talking like in some cases 12 and 15 and 20 and I think I even had a piece once that was probably like, I don't know, close to 30 pages long. Now, some of you, there, some of you out there probably are even you know, more awesome than that. But I had a couple of pieces that, that took some time to learn and were very challenging. And then where it came to memorizing those, uh, I, would, I would tackle them basically line by line, page by page. It'd be like, okay, let's learn this line. Now let's learn line two and then line three. And now let's do lines one and two. And lines one, two, and three. And then like, now let's do the whole page. And then it was on to the next page sort of thing. At least that's how I did it. And that's how it worked well for my brain. So anyway, a micro drill is essentially that. So let's talk real quick about the reload uh, process, if you will. For whatever reason, you recognize the need to perform a reload. A couple things. I'm going to describe this sequentially, but realize some of these things happen simultaneously right so the first thing is my support hand is going to come off the gun and it's going to go down to wherever my spare mag is located all right and then it's going to grab that spare mag in fact i'm going to pull one out here here's my spare uh and before i pull it out of the pouch or wherever it's located if possible okay i am going to index this magazine, meaning the base pad of the mag is pushed into the, the, the kind of the center lower part of my palm. Okay. And then my index finger is running along the front side of that mag. Okay. With my thumb around the side and it's kind of pinching between my middle finger and my thumb. 
Okay. And then with my with my index finger, again, indexed across the front of that. All right. So that's pinched in between there, base of it in my palm, finger, index finger indexed. <laughs> it is the index finger after all, indexed along the front of it. That is how that is being grabbed in the pouch before it's coming out of the pouch. Reasons for that? Well, one, I want to have a very secure hold of this mag so that it comes out of the pouch reliably and consistently. And number two, I want to have it positioned consistently so that it goes into the gun the same way every time, and then we get consistent performance. So we want to grab that properly the same way every time. Uh, sometimes, Matthew, I'm sure you see this too with, with students in classes. Uh, I've seen students that had as many as four or five different ways of grabbing spare mags. Yeah, or they have them, especially if they're carrying multiple uh, magazines, they're all facing different ways, so they're fumbling back and forth, and um, it, yep. it really makes it difficult. Yep. One of the worst accessory products I've ever seen from a major company is uh, the Springfield Armory uh, uh, mag pouches. Mm, that, yeah. I don't know if they still do it, but I know back, you know, a number of years ago, you bought a gun and it, you got a holster in that case along with the gun and you got a mag pouch. And the mag pouch, if you look at how it's designed, like you can smash magazines in there any which way you want, but you can tell it's very clearly intended and designed to have one magazine go one direction and the other magazine go the other direction. Terrible, terrible product, terrible design. Like, Magazines that you carry on your on your uh, on your waist or anywhere, whatever, should be basically all facing the same direction. If you got multiples, especially, right? Anyway, so um, we want to be indexing these properly, consistently grabbing it, okay? And then we're going to pull that out of the pouch, and as it's coming up to the gun, oh, don't we don't want to forget that we should have we we need to hit the mag release. Okay, mag release on the gun is hit. Magazine comes out of the gun. Spare magazine now goes into the gun. We seat it firmly. And again, keep in mind where the base of the mag is placed in the palm of my hand. This works very well where all I got to do is just shove that magazine up into the mag well of the gun with my, the, with my palm driving it in nice and firmly. We get a good uh, uh, locked in seating of the mag. And then... We got to get the grip of the support hand back on the gun and back on target for our next shots. So that's essentially the process. Now, as you get better and more efficient and faster at performing a reload, you'll find that more and more of those steps have to happen simultaneously. And by that, I mean that as fast as I reload now, I typically have to hit my mag release about the same. You know, I have to be getting my thumb and my firing hand to the mag release at the same time that my support hand's going down for my spare mag. Because if I don't, then I'm going to be behind the curve. And by the time I get my mag back up to the gun, uh, I, I'm going to be waiting on it, on the other mag to come out of the gun. So um, anyway, so point is for me right now, it's when I recognize I have a reload, simultaneously my support hand goes to the pouch with the mag. My thumb, my firing hand hits the mag release, by that point, and as the mag is just starting to fall out, my spare my support hand is coming up with the spare mag already. I am turning and orienting the gun. I didn't mention that in the first uh, steps. In a 
direction that's conducive to performing the reload, meaning that we're optimizing the path of that magazine and going straight into the gun. So it's kind of turned at like a, a 35 or 45 degree angle or something to that effect and a little bit sideways, you know, and then in it goes. Grip is rebuilt and back up on target. Okay, so there's a lot going on there. I mean, it's not super complicated, but there's a lot going on there. So there's opportunities within that to have micro drills that attack different parts of that. Besides the the Burkett reload, by the way, Matthew, is it is a micro drill, but it's actually still composed of multiple of those steps. What do you think are some of the other, you know, what do you think are some of the micro drills that a person could do to start training uh, the reload? Yeah, I mean, you you're you're basically practicing from you know from uh, uh, when when you grab the magazine to the gun, right? But you could practice um, having the magazine in your hand already, right? Index and everything. Go in and go to the next step, or actually mm-hmm. inserting the magazine. Um, you could you could also practice the, the, the first part of it, right? Like, okay, uh, I'm going to squeeze a trigger, drop my magazine. If I, you know, or press the magazine release, it really doesn't matter. Um, and, and just get to my magazine and just practice that, that component of it, right? Like you could break it down different ways. Um, and I think in the video, you do a good job of like saying, okay, well, let's kind of put some time um, to these, to these, components so we can kind of push ourselves and, and, and just try to see where we can do and, and improve a little bit. So um, I, I, you know, while the Burkett reload is that we, that you showed in the video is one p- component or one way um, you could certainly break it down another way um, and get, get similar um, benefit from it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, and that, that's the idea. Um, the idea would be, let, Let's go to the range sometime, okay? Or you could do it in dry fire too, but it'll be a little bit easier as far as the metrics are concerned to go to the range, especially where maybe there's some additional stress put on you. Um, meaning, like you're shooting a drill, and you know, as a as a smaller component of that drill, let's say a reload's involved. Meaning, like, like for example, a fast uh, test or fast drill. Uh, where you basically draw and fire two rounds into uh, the head of a target, and then you perform a, a slide lock reload, and then you fire four more rounds to the body. And it's a well-known standard that's been around for oh, over a decade now, probably 13, 14 some odd years, created by Todd Green. And the point is, is it, it's a larger drill, but a, a, a sub part or a component of that is that reload in the middle. And that's one place where a lot of shooters are going to either lose or gain some time. And so um, that's, that's a great drill to, to test the reload. And I'd shoot some video even including in slow-mo. So you could analyze from the side view, like every little piece of that drill. But then if we wanted to focus on the reload, we could look at that specifically and, ask the question, what part of the reload is 
causing me to get hung up or is causing me to miss my times here and and there and thereby miss the overall uh, time I'm trying to achieve in that overall drill. So ideally, we want to be able to identify which part of something is causing us trouble. Now, it could be several parts. Um, and we want to know that too. So for instance, let's just say that I am having a problem consistently getting the magazine into the gun. Well, maybe in slow-mo video, I can see that each time I grab my spare mag, my grip on that mag is a little bit different. Okay, there we go. Now we can identify that the way you are grasping that mag out of the pouch is not consistent. That's an opportunity for, for improvement. So, like you touched on a moment ago, and I think I touched on this a little bit in the video too, we can do a micro drill where it's literally just getting my support hand from the gun down to the spare mag and then just stop and reset from there. And all I'm looking for is that each time I get my hand to the spare mag, I'm looking for a couple of cue or key uh, uh, indexes, uh, meaning that is my index finger indexed where I want it to be along the front of the mag? Is the base of the mag in the same position in my palm uh, every time? You know, is my thumb along the so one side and my middle finger on the other side pinching the mag in between? You know, kind of looking for the whatever it is, looking for those those key indexes or indices, I guess, and going, yep, I hit that one correctly. Okay, reset. And you go back to both hands on the gun and go again. Boom. Support hand down to the spare mag. Did I hit an index on that mag correctly like I, like I wanted to? And just do that repeatedly over and over and over and over again. Now, why in dry fire would we add things like a shot timer or a timed component? Because that's what helps us continually gate, not only have some, some encouragement, if you will, to push ourselves, but also to gauge our performance, to be able to track our performance. And we can go, I know that it takes me right now 0.3 seconds to get my hand down to that mag. Now, it gets a little bit tougher when we get into some of the really short or, or very detailed level micro drills because your shot timer is probably going to have a beep that lasts at least three-tenths of a second. And so getting into time frames that are less than that is difficult to use as a, as a, as a gauge of performance on, you know, if you're listening to the part times of the shot timer, because your part timer beeps for three tenths of a second, if you're trying to determine whether you got something done within a part time, you, you can't judge that when you're working with times that are so short. So uh, that's okay. But just shot timers definitely become a, um, a really important part of the overall strategy to improve in dry fire and uh and and the idea and certainly though for some of you it might take longer you know for me it might only take two tenths of a second to get my hand down to the mag um for someone else it might take half a second and the idea is that you could use a shot timer to push yourself half second go to four tenths go to maybe 35 hundredths okay you know, that sort of thing is provided that your shot timer is able to do the, those intervals and you just are constantly trying to push it and get better and better. Right. So that's the idea. Isolate the parts of, of a certain drill or, or component that you're trying to improve on, you know, isolate the part that's giving you the biggest trouble and then work on that in a very dedicated fashion. 
then we can start reconstructing everything and putting it all together and bam. So anyway, that is one example, just getting your hand down to the spare mag. Another example would be getting it just from there up to the gun. But honestly, I think the biggest thing is if you can get the in, if you can get the hand of the mag correctly and indexed properly and in a speedy amount of time from there, getting it up back to the gun, I, I would just immediately move right into what's called a Burkett reload drill. So to explain that really simply, and I'll turn it over to you, Matthew, for some additional input on that. The Burkett Reload, uh, my understanding, was created by Matt Burkett, who's a, a famed competitive shooter, uh, not really active anymore, um, but back 20 years ago especially was was very active in the competitive shooting world and created the Burkett Reload Drill, which the idea is that you are doing the part of the reload, everything from both hands on gun, starting up on target, to grasping the mag and coming back up to where the the, the lip of the magazine or the top of the magazine uh, is just just starting to go into the, the mag well of the gun. And you stop right there. And then you reset. Now, a couple of key points. You might be thinking, well, 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 hold on, hold on. What are we doing with the mag that's in the gun? A briquette reload drill traditionally doesn't even have a magazine in the gun. You're starting with an empty gun. Okay. The reason for this is this is a this is a repeated drill that you do again and again and again over many repetitions. And you don't want to be having to dump a mag every time and then pick that up off the floor and reinsert it and reset. It's just costing you time. So the idea here, it's a strategy to to um, make your time more efficient. And you're just getting a lot of repetitions of getting hand from gun to mag and mag back up to gun and just starting to go into the opening of the grip. And you stop and then you reset back up on target. Again, empty mag or empty gun, right? And you go again, hand down, back up. You're just, you're starting to just start to get that magazine into the opening of the grip. And where your eyes should be, if you want to get max efficiency with this, is locating and finding the opening of the mag well just before the magazine's coming up there because that's what's going to allow you to place that magazine precisely in that spot. And that's going to develop consistency. So even, I'll tell you this, even if you believe it's important to practice no look reloads, I would practice in this particular drill, still finding and looking for that magwell opening and bringing that magazine up and stopping right there because you're going to develop the muscle memory, dare I say. (laughs) Um, I know that's the term that most people are familiar with, even though there's no such thing as muscle memory, but the idea that these these are subconscious automated you know, brain processes where we go, we're able to do the re- the same thing again and again at a subconscious level. That's where we want to get to. Okay. And you're going to develop that very quickly by taking sport hand off, grabbing spare mag, bringing mag up, your eye finding the opening of the, of the mag well and stopping right there and then resetting. <clears throat> That's the yeah. reload drill. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned about the eyes going to the magwell, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, um, coming from, you know, I learned how to shoot in the Marine Corps. I never shot before that. Um, and then I went right into law enforcement and there's a lot of dogmatic stuff that, that, 
you know, um, law enforcement and military firearm instruction just teaches because that's just how it's taught. Right. Like, and you don't question it and you don't really think about it. And there was always this idea that like, you can't look directly, you can't take your eyes off the threat at all. Right. Or even your eyes off the direction of the threat, right? Like it has to be focused. And even if you look at, you know, your magwell for even a half a second, everything's going to break down and they're going to overrun your position. You're going to die. Right. Like, and that's kind of like the thought. And, you know, when we're talking about doing the reloads, right. We're, we're obviously talking about not doing the reload down by your belt level with the firearm, but like up in your line of sight, right. Like between, where you're looking and the gun and your eyes are all kind of in the same line of sight. So, you know, for me, I initially was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to practice these reloads with, you know, without, so I can do it without even looking. But I think, you know, you make a good point in the video, but I think, and and just now you, you made the same point, but I think like sometimes um we do think if we just took the extra or took the third of a second to look down at the magwell glance down, not with your whole head, but just, you know, your eye looks down slightly. Um, you can get the magazine reload done quicker and more, more efficiently the first time through um, versus, you know, missing it the first time and then and the second time and then looking down to get it in the third time. Right. Like that's not, if that's not what you want. Um, and like you said, if you practice looking at it, right. Um, you're building that myelinization, you're building that, that, that constant, you know, um, sort of subconscious movement and, and you're likely to be able to do it better without looking. But I, I would still say you'll probably, you probably look down and not even realize that you did it in a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. You, you, it just happened so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. The, here's the thing. If you need a reload, it's because you, you need it. Your gun is no, like you're, there's a reason why you need it. And so apparently the gun's no longer able to be shot. Therefore was my priority in that moment. And it's about getting that gun reloaded. All right. I can, I can look at my threat all I want. And I think people like have this imagined, you know, this made up idea that, well, my, my enemy will disappear on me if I take my eyes off him for a half a second, even mm, probably not. Uh, and, and you're exactly right. Like the reload should be performed up in what's often referred to as workspace, right? Just right in front of your face, essentially. So my gun is never leaving in front of my face. Like it's it. The idea is that the gun doesn't come down at all right? My gun's up here on target. When I perform the reload, the gun stays up in that space. Now the bottom of the grip is a little bit lower than where my sights were. So my eyes are going to come down a little bit, but you can still see peripherally everything else is going on beyond that. And again, my priority in that moment is get that magazine in the gun because until it's in the gun, nothing else matters, right? And then it's back off or back back onto the fight or whatever it is I'm trying to achieve, whatever my objective is. So, so yeah, I, I like to think in terms of priorities, whatever the priority is, if I have a malfunction, that is priority numero uno right there in that moment. I got to get that malfunction fixed and fixed fast. So my, my focus is going to go on fixing that, that malfunction. Uh, 
Um, and keep in mind that just where your eyes, this is an interesting thing to get into, Matthew. Where your eyes are looking is not always necessarily the same thing as what you're paying attention to. And uh, that's been an interesting lesson for me to learn in pursuing a higher degree of skill in shooting. By that, I mean like my eyes can be looking at a target, right, that I'm, that I'm aiming at, that I'm shooting at. But what I'm paying attention to can be something different. And actually, the reality is I'm looking at a target, but I'm also paying attention to my sights. So... I don't know. Think on that a little bit. Chew on that a little bit. What you're looking at is not always the same thing as what you're paying attention to. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking uh, this, the same thing happened to me today. I'm reading, right? I'm sitting at my desk reading. I'm looking down at words on a page that's, you know, five, six inches in front of my face. Um, And I I do have my bifocals on, you know what I'm saying? Um, But like, I'm looking at these words, right? And my daughter's over in my periphery doing something and I read a sentence or two and I realize I have no idea what I just read because I'm paying attention to her, but I'm focused, right? It looks like I'm focused reading, but my attention is on this movement that's going on. And I almost know exactly what she's doing. Right. And it's crazy that, you know, but we do that sort of all the time. Um, So Yep. And I know that there'll be some detractors out there who'll say, well, you're going to get tunnel vision in a gunfight. And I can tell you from talking with my good buddy, Matt Little, that that depends on per- from person to person. And also what is exactly tunnel vision, I think actually may not always be what we think it is. Some say that your vision actually is going to get obscured and you see this relatively narrow cone of vision that's directly you know in line with with where your eyes are looking um i also think that people getting overly threat focused can and by that you're not necessarily constricting what you can actually see in your periphery but your but your focus and attention is so focused there on that threat in that moment that you're just not visually paying attention to anything else in the periphery i think that's actually more I could, I could be wrong in this but i think that's more likely um for a lot of people in stressful situations and and as i've pondered this i've realized i've experienced that a little bit myself in a few uh, certain you know contexts and so um the, the point being that uh, and here's the other thing the better we get at certain skills meaning like operating a gun shooting a gun we want that those to be automated motor skills as much as possible, meaning they occur in the subconscious. And we may, and you touched on this, you may even look at your, at your reload and not even realize you're doing it, but all of your attention is still on your threat. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think where, where we're really going with all this. Um, so just, I don't know, there's some things, interesting things to consider there. And again, at the end of it, all I don't think it really matters that much, but what I can tell what I can tell you is from what I've observed in shooters uh, trying to perform at a high level that those that look at that reload, they are much more consistent and much faster at doing it. 
and uh that that's that's a again if you got to do a reload speed is of the essence so i want to get it done as as quickly as i can yeah agreed and however you can get the gun back in the fight as quickly as you can and um you know yep And, and i can tell you too just actually as i'm thinking about some more matthew that in in action pistol shooting and uspsa especially most of the time you're doing reloads on the move so you are actually you are actually practicing the skill of peripherally seeing and paying attention to objects around you and moving from point A to point B while you're performing that reload. And the other thing is, it's really only for about a third, maybe maybe four tenths of a second. Three three to four tenths of a second is all you need to go down back up maybe it's even less than that depending on how good and how practiced you are so it's really negligible anyway spend enough time talking about looking at reloads burkett reload drill i hope the way explained it made sense um it's a great way of maximizing your efficiency and practicing those reloads but it's not a complete reload so we could do another micro drill where we start with the magazine just going into the opening of of the magwell and then finish that and practice because the, the next skill that becomes a little bit tricky for some people is getting the grip reestablished or the, the support hand reestablished as part of the grip on the gun. That can, you know, be that takes a little bit of practice sometimes as well. So just doing that part of the reload as a micro drill, right? Magazine in, reestablish grip. Magazine in, reestablish grip. And that's another one you can practice repeatedly very, very efficiently because all you got to do is remove magazine, position it right there at the opening of the magwell, shove it in, reestablish grip, and then rinse and repeat. Just do it again and again and again. Do that a bunch of times and then start doing the full reloads. And that's kind of how we walk you through the shooter raid challenge is it's like, hey, micro drills, they're a thing. Here's the Burkett reload, reload drill. Here's how to do it. Now let's put this all together as part of a full reload and let's establish some metrics on this. Let's see how long it actually takes us to do this. Um, and, and so in an ideal world, I would do at least 30 repetitions per training session of a briquette reload followed by probably about, and again, it's skill dependent, um, early on, probably at least 20 repetitions of just inserting the mag and finishing the reload. And then do like 20 to 30 repetitions of full-on reloads, right? All the way from both hands on grip, gun on target, down to grabbing the mag, inserting it into the gun, back on target, reestablish your grip and your sights on target. Um, so you, you really should be doing anywhere from 50 to 70 repetitions that are reload focused. If you want to see some, some growth here and you're doing this, say, let's say you have three dry fire sessions a week. You do that many repetitions that many times a week over the course of two, three, four weeks, you're going to see your reload times drop dramatically in a huge way. And that's what it's about breaking it up in those little chunks, practicing them individually, each in those chunks, a bunch of repetitions, and then do putting it all together and practicing them for a bunch of repetitions, the whole thing. It's all going to come together and it's all going to click and, and get really, really, dare I say, smooth. Right? <laughs> um, so then in the shoot rate challenge, 
I kind of walk you through that process. And then we put this together with the LaserX software. And that's what's really cool about LaserX is because I can actually get reload metrics or data in a dry fire environment, which is really hard to do, frankly, in like traditional dry fire. Like we can use part-time set on a part on a shot timer, but that's not quite exact. And I'm still being, you know, I have to be honest with myself. Like, did I get that done within that part-time? Yeah, I think I got that complete before I heard the second beep. And there's times that you know, and there's times you're like, I think I did, but it was really close, right? So putting it together with something like the Laser X software means that there's there's no more lying, right? It, it's, it is true data at that point. And the way we do that, uh, particularly if you're using your actual live fire gun, get one of these laser dot training cartridges like we sell at readyupgear.com and put that in your gun. And start with an with a with an empty gun, meaning no magazine in the gun. Okay, because you can have a magazine in the gun. I guess it doesn't really matter. But but uh, anyway, you're gonna have that laser dot trading cartridge in the gun. You're gonna have Laser X software set up with a target on the wall, and then you're going to through the software get a start signal. You're gonna perform the reload, and then f- you're gonna at least be able to fire the one shot using the laser dot training cartridge onto your target. The software will pick that up and give you your time. That'll be your reload time. Okay. And so that's that's a great way of being able to set this up in drive fire and get measurable data that we can then track over time. So last week I was able to do, uh, and this, I'm, I'm telling you like straight up, like this is true for me. Last week I was able to do uh, consistently 1.3 second reloads. I know there's probably some guys listening that are like, oh, I'm, I'm faster than that. Cool. Guess what? I'm not that good of a reloader. Uh, that's why I'm practicing this. This week, I'm I'm nailing 1.2 seconds consistently. Okay, every once in a while, I fumble things a little bit, but I'd say nine out of ten times, I'm right at about 1.16 to 1.24, so averaging out about 1.2. Pretty good. I'm happy with that. I'm really trying to get down to one second reloads and be able to do that consistently. It's going to take me some effort. Okay, and and I'm I'm really having to break things down, like we've talked in today's episode by those little chunks, like where am I losing the most time? Where are my biggest opportunities for gains? But I wouldn't be able to track it as precisely if I wasn't tracking it along with uh, LaserX software and getting that very specific data. That's re- it's, it's really, uh, it, it, the thing is, is there's so many tools out there and th- these are great tools. I, I, I you know what? <laughs> Somebody the other day, uh, I, I don't know if it was you who posted something, and this is why I stay off social media, but um, I, w- I happened to be at the computer and somebody posted something about dry fire and I can't remember who it was, but they said, uh, I, I don't dry fire. I just buy more ammunition and practice at, at, at the range. And I was like, I wanted to, ex- you know, I wanted to interject. And then I'm like, nah, I, I better things to do with my time than, than talk to this person who obviously doesn't see the, the benefit of um, dry fire or these, these tools, because they're absolutely um, awesome. I mean, there's no, there's no reason not to, there, there just is no reason not to. Yep. Yep. And that's the whole reason we created the drive or the shooter ready challenge uh, series was to uh, create opportunities uh, to show you guys ways of doing dry fire practice 
specific drills and things. So it would hopefully give you the, you know, some ideas of, Hey, I can go do this this week or this month. You know, this is something we roll out on a month by month basis. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, if you just focused on these one things that we, that we do each month, uh, y- you would get really, really good at those one, at that one thing, you know, month by month by month. Um, if you took it seriously and really approached it that way. So, hey, but that's the idea was to give you guys ideas and inspiration to get out there and do dry fire practice. And in so doing, everybody gets a little bit better. All right. I can attribute even though my, my buddy Rob Latham likes to tease me about uh, how dry fire, you know, <laughs> won't, uh, I don't know. He, he, he likes to joke about dry fire, not being that effective of a tool, but uh, some of that, I think he is joking. And some of that is that not all of us are as fortunate as he was growing, you know, as he was coming up in the shooting sports, he had the opportunity to be able to shoot a lot of ammo, a lot more rounds than what, than what most of us can do. Uh, actually like 99.9% of us can do especially in, in this day and age. And and so he was able to learn a lot of things truly in live fire and not having to do a lot of dry fire. But uh, the fact is dry fire has been a huge tool for me personally in getting better. And I, I've, I see the results that it has for uh, students that I've trained and for people that I, that I talk to online and in person about. Dry fire is a hugely beneficial tool. And if you're not doing it, you're missing out on a huge opportunity to get better. Mm-hmm. I agree. So um, I think, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any last words about today's topic or this episode? No, I, I mean, I guess I, I think I would say in parting, if you're, if you don't practice reloads and you don't carry a spare magazine, um, you know, this may not seem like the, the, the greatest episode, but take the principles of micro drills and apply them to other things. Also, like if you're new and you just have, you know, you, you just started carrying and drawing your gun and, and doing those things, practice those things first. And once you're good with manipulating the, ma- the, 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 the gun and you feel comfortable um, just with simple stuff, racking the slide, taking the magazine out, um, then you can move on to these types of things. But like, um, not to say that you're going to mess yourself up or you're, you, but, um, it's just, you're, you're going to struggle a lot more if you try to do these types of things before just getting the basics down. So get the basics down, learn how to draw really well and all that stuff. And, uh, the high probability things that are really important and then work on these things. If, if, uh, it's brand new to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Matthew. And, and thanks for being uh, with me in this episode here today. Uh, guys, don't forget to go check out the Shooter Ready Challenge at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. You can participate in this latest one about reloads, but actually the whole library is is there as well. Going back, oh gosh, when was the first one? October 2019. So we've done one of these per month since October 2019. That means there's there's like 16 or some odd of these up, up on ShooterReadyChallenge.com. Lots of great dry fire ideas there for you to use. And of course, we thank our partners, laserapp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com for being sponsors of Shoot Rate Challenge and this podcast, the Concealed Carry Podcast. And also Next Level Training and their fantastic CERT pistol, training pistol. Um, it's a very valuable tool and, and really is 
the tool to use when you want to do some dry fire practice with laser app or with the laser X system um, and get measured data, measured data that requires full uh, multiple shots. So that's where the value of it becomes like just absolutely huge. Unless you're running a DA, you know, a double action pistol all the time with a, with a laser dot trainer in it. Uh, most of the rest of us shooting primarily striker fired guns got to go to the cert pistol. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful that that tool exists. And uh, yeah, so guys, that brings us to another end of the podcast. We thank you for being here with us. And so we're going to let you all go now. Don't forget a reminder to train right, train often and train safe. So you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care, everyone. 